Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Maury Rich. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And today's episode is brought to you by the Martin OMJM, John Mayer. The OMJM features many of the same attributes as John's first OM28JM limited edition, but is drastically more affordable and more widely available in the tradition of the popular Martin 00028 Eric Clapton model. This tasteful OM exhibits versatility for today's diverse contemporary musical styles, and it's one of the rare modern Martins that still has a narrow nut width. For more information on the OMJM, please visit mauriesmusic.com today. Never mind all that commercial stuff, Spoon. How you doing? Well, as uh, one of your favorite songwriters said, I got the blues. <laughs> do, do I get 20 guesses to guess which famous songwriter that was? Um, I don't think you'll need 20, unless I was so off on the melody that you didn't recognize it. Um, I'm going to wait until the middle of the program to make all my guesses, but I would love to start this program talking about those blues. I'm so blue in between shows. When we get these podcasts finished, I'm so blue until we record again, et cetera, et cetera. What else do I have to tell you to make sure you understand how sad my life is when it's not spent talking to you through the microphones and the earbuds? <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere, even when it's complete hogwash. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yes, yes, we we have uh, been talking about the blues and thought it might be fun to do a show uh, relating uh, Martin guitar and blues, and really more specifically, what Martin guitars might uh, be good for playing the blues. And I don't want to put together a show where anything is ranked as far as importance or this is the best one, that's the worst one. But maybe you and I can go off the cuff and ask each other, if you had to pick three Martin guitars, if somebody came to us and said, I want to play the blues, which model would you recommend? Let's take today to talk about, I'll pick three, you pick three. And it might be a little bit hard to put this into perspective because the first one I'm going to talk about might be better than the second one. And the third one might be a complete choice out of left field, but what I'm going for, and I'll ask your input as well, what I'm going for here is I'm going to tell you what I normally see a lot of people talk about on Facebook, a lot of the uh, the acoustic guitar forum, the unofficial mark guitar forum. This subject comes up a lot. What should I buy? I want to play blues. Before we get that far, we should also consider talking about what is the blues. And when we're talking about acoustic music, when I say I want to play blues on the acoustic guitar, does that mean exactly what you think you mean when you say it? All, the, all that kind of stuff can get entangled in a pretty nice way. And I'm just hoping this takes 45 minutes to get through. That's my sole intention. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be fine, especially if you, you want to broaden it out to talk about the blues themselves, because certainly people have their own definitions of it. And, uh, and of course, blues comes from the jazz, early jazz tradition, you know, in the early 20th century and late 19th century. But when I think of the blues, I think of the blues, you know, that I was growing up with. Uh, they had the blues that my brother listened to, which was the like hardcore, um, what to me seemed, you know, sort of old timey, what now is called roots music with people like Lightning and Hopkins. And the blues that I grew up really listening to was had been filtered through the British invasion. So, or had come up through uh, through, you know, 
people who grew up listening to rock and roll. So the blues, and when I was first coming up and associating those songs, those kind of broken heart songs, or, uh, you know, nobody knows me when I'm down and out kind of songs, would have been, uh, you know, primarily the Allman Brothers and Eric Clapton. And so, uh, you know, the song, that album, Layla, Another Love Songs was a huge influence on me as a kid, as was Owen Brothers Live at the Fillmore. And of course, they were not playing uh, uh, acoustic blues at all. So, so I'll just send that back to you. When you first started hearing music that people called the blues or songs that themselves called themselves the blues, what, uh, what do you remember being some of the early signposts for your own blues education? Well, I'll admit that it's probably blues rock, first of all, and I would certainly cite the Allman Brothers, Clapton, uh, probably those two specific serious influences are what I think of when I think of blues, and it, I may be jumping to the middle of the program here early in the beginning, but Clapton's Unplugged, I often think of that when I think of Martin guitars plus blues plus what's what's inspirational. I know a lot of people listening to this program who know what true blues music is, where it came from, might might really respectfully disagree that that's not even a blues album. But I think of bluesy music, and I'll, I'll tell you the truth, when we're talking about this today, you're going to hear blues, bluesy, uh, blues-inspired, and blues rock. It, it's really not authentic in, in those terms, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Clapton and... A lot of the uh, the Almond Brothers and those disciples put it this way: If you, you know, in 2023, if you found Pandora music and Pandora radio, and you played the Almond Brothers station and the Clapton station, whatever comes on those radio stations in this day and age, I would kind of lump it all together. So let's admit that we might not be talking about literal like the roots of blues, but when someone comes to Mari's music in 2023 and wants to tell me I play that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to give each other a pass if, if our definitions of blues might blur the lines in some spaces or something you might call blues, I might not. That's not as important as what I mean to get through today. What you would choose when you're looking at Martin Guitar Models, uh, that's what I'm going for. And I would certainly want to say that if I'd walk through all of our inventory here at the store and I want to play something from Clapton Unplugged, something from you know one of the Almond Brothers albums that's electric blues, but I want to play it on a Martin, that mindset and headspace is what I want to kind of go for today. And if you wouldn't mind letting me go first, probably the most popular single Martin that I see a lot of people talk about when asking each other, what should I do for blues, is the Martin 00012 fret, uh, 00015SM. I think there's something really bluesy about that. And I should probably put a caveat here. It's, of course, you can play any kind of music on any kind of Martin. So don't look, don't look at this podcast episode with tunnel vision or think that if you don't pick these six guitars, you can't do it. But I think there's a dry woodiness to the 0015 SM. There's an immediacy. Uh, mahogany in general, whether it's a mahogany top or not, the fact that it's got mahogany back and sides really contributes to a very quick decay. And when you play finger style blues and you're picking a pattern and you play the first note, then the second note, then the third note, as soon as you switch notes, the first note you played is kind of gone. The second note takes over. It's not in the way of each other. And there isn't a big woofy collection of overtones or bass response that I like to hear from Rosewood. So the Mahogany Top 00015 SM would be my first choice if somebody said, what should I buy if I want to play Martin guitar and I want to play blues style music? Out of the gate spoon, what, what do you think of when I kind of cite that as my first example? 
Well, I'm glad you did because it actually wasn't among my three, and I'm kind of sorry about that now because I've always been a big fan of that uh, that guitar and that particular model. Uh, a 12 fret uh, triplo it gives you extra bass response uh, compared to the same guitar in a uh, 14 fret orchestra model version. When I say orchestra model, I mean the traditional use of it as meaning a 14 fret guitar, not the OM with the, necessarily with the long scale and quarter ratio and all that. So that standard body size, um, wider, you know, for a long time, it was a wider nut width uh, before the they revamped the uh, standard series and gave everybody a one and three quarter inch nut width. And, um, and yes, it's got a very unique sound. I think it's uh, my favorite uh, 15 series. And, and certainly as you know, somebody had written me privately asking that question of, of I like to play acoustic blues. What would you recommend from Martin? That would certainly be on the list, even though I didn't pick it today. So um, I, I agree there's a, I, I wouldn't go so far to say as it decays ne uh, nearly as fast as something like Maple and, and some of those other um, very fundamental tone woods. But uh, given the fact that you are, have such a rosewood ear, I can definitely see how you would uh, phrase it that way. Definitely less uh, complex, so much more focus is put on the fundamental notes, uh, whether you have a spruce top or a mahogany top. But in this case with the mahogany top, it gives it a, what I call my ears call a sweetness. There's a particular sound of those 15s through the whole 15 series. But, uh, but if I didn't need uh, more than 14 frets, a lot of the times as it is, I would probably have uh, owned a triple O 15 SM a long time ago. Um, I am curious to see if they're going to be switching the name of that model because they're, you know, they've, people may have heard in 2023, they decided to put the S in a different place. So the 12 fret guitars now, uh, it would be a triple O S dash 15 M. So I'm curious to see if Martin's going to actually rename the model or keep it the way it is just because it's a legacy model. So that will be interesting to see, but, uh, that's a great choice. Uh, those got to sell pretty well. I mean, do you have any of those in stock these days? Well, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. They sell so well, we don't have that in stock at the moment. Of course, we're recording this episode a couple of weeks early, so maybe by the time it hits your ears, uh, that'll also hit our webpage. But it's a model that we try to keep in stock and completely separate from the fact that Martin's taken forever to fulfill orders. It is a Martin model that we don't have a real good handle on. We try to order enough and we just never keep it in stock as much as we want to. It's It certainly is one of the more popular guitars. And uh, regretfully, I can't tell you that we have 15 of them on the <laughs> shelves. So it's, uh, yeah, the, the short answer is it's not here right now, but when it comes in, it's probably going to be in my hands just long enough to inspect it and poof, off it goes. But that's, that's my first choice. Uh, it doesn't mean it's the most important choice and it's not more correct or more incorrect. But I could not wait until later to talk about that guitar because it's so bluesy to me. And I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. And when I ask you what this definition means, if someone listening thinks I should know this, I probably should. But I always think of the term Piedmont blues when I hear the triple O 15 SM. And I wonder, am I right in, in describing that to you, Spooner? What, what do you think of when you hear the term Piedmont blues? 
Well, it's actually from a, um, it's based on the Piedmont region, um, in, in, down in the area, uh, like between, uh, between Southern Virginia and, uh, and Georgia down in there. And I know there's people who live down there that can really set us straight on the, I'm sure there are some people who are very specific about, uh, uh, Piedmont blues, as opposed to like the Mississippi Delta blues and all that sort of thing. And I think really Piedmont is very specifically acoustic blues, where Delta blues isn't, obviously, with uh, with a lot of the electric guitar players and, and people of other uh, instruments entirely that, you know, have that style and i think for people who are familiar with some of these old artists blind blake is often cited and he is uh a zillion people play blind blake uh tunes and i and that's really what comes to my mind when i think of uh those kind of traditional roots music acoustic blues uh, but also later on the, the reverend gary davis uh, is also uh, considered part of that tradition as well. And then we talked about filters. Then you end up with the young fellas that were haunting the Reverend uh, in his elder years in New York City that, and got, you know, lessons. And and uh, the, my friend, the late uh, Woody Mann, was actually, as a boy, was his official, <laughs> Reverend Gary Davis' official guitar carrier. Um, and if wow. you've ever heard Woody's music, he will certainly maintain some of that traditional blues stuff, but very much expanded into what I would consider more modern fingerstyle stuff, almost, you know, Wyndham Hill stuff. But, um, but others, you know, Stefan Grossman, people, you know, there's a variety of people that certainly owe a lot to that uh, style. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I'd say that's totally, that's totally, uh, that's totally good. We have uh, a variety of friends that come to, to Martin Fest that love to play the blues, and and um, and some of them, in fact, own the very guitar we're talking about. But um, so yeah, I think that's great. That's a that's a very good choice, and I'm kind of sorry I had hadn't thought of it. Um, but my first choice, I'm going to stay with Mahogany, um, and I'm going to go with the CEO Seven. Ooh. CEO 7, which uh, was probably going to be a relatively limited edition when it came out, like most of the CEOs, but it was just so uh, successful as the very first uh, slope shoulder 14 fret double O, double O L for long body, um, and mahogany uh, back and sides, Adirondack spruce top. Um, it has the a standard fretboard taper with a one and three quarter inch with nut and two and a quarter at the 12th fret and the uh, old modified V with the 1930s heel. So it's basically the same short scale neck that was on the 0018V for people who remember that very popular guitar. And it has uh, a unique tone. There's something about the sloped shoulders and the slightly larger uh, body cavity, just like the previous guitar we were talking about, that 12 fret triple O has a bigger sound chamber, cubic centimeter wise, than the 14 fret version. And, and, uh, and it also has something to do with the placement of the bridge in relation to the full body length. 
And so you get a, I don't know, a fuller sound in the low mids out of the CEO 7 than basically any other Martin. Um, the actual body sizes comes in between a 14 fret double O and 14 fret triple O, but it has the same depth as, a, as those two guitars. So, and it comes with its own unique uh, burst that I think they call Autumn Sunset. And I've always liked the kind of, uh, kind of sunburst where the center section on purpose or not is kind of shaped like a guitar pick. I always thought that was a very nice look, but, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, short scale. And, uh, and you know, I know it's a, it's a good choice for people who really like those V necks because they, you know, you just don't get them anymore on, on regular Martins that are available uh, without special order. So um, it's a unique guitar. And do, would you say those still sell well? Oh, absolutely. I, I think we could probably only sell the CEO 7 and do just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mari's Music is proud to be an authorized dealer for the CEO 7. We, um, you, you made a lot of good points, and I really think when that first came out, it was almost like they're going to give us how much guitar for that price? So they became immediately popular, which wasn't a surprise uh, to get an Adirondack top guitar like that uh, back then when it first came out uh, 56 years ago. But it's, it's one of those guitars that I think over time it got a little bit more expensive like everything else did in the world, but it just won't go away. And it's one of those really, I don't know Chris Martin well enough to talk to him about it, uh, you know, privately. But if I ever do get an opportunity to pull him aside next time he's at a public gathering, I think I sort of want to ask him, did you think you'd retire before that guitar would? Because it's that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be, it's never, it's going to be the last Martin ever sold probably. And for people who don't remember, this was at a time when uh, Chris Martin was designing the CEO models as a way to tr uh, to use unusual uh, woods or wood combinations or certain features. And then he switched over to basically making Martin's version of certain Gibson models, kind of a homage to the Gibsons from the Depression era, uh, mainly the J45. Um, but this was Martin's version, basically, of the uh, L00, but with Martin, 00 is the size, and L is the special uh, identifier for the, for the slope shoulder body shape. And in Gibson, the uh, L is the size, and 00 was the level of uh, trim and uh, cosmetic features on the L00. But uh, as a lot of people know, blues know that the L00 was very popular um, on guitar for acoustic blues players in in the old days, and uh, and some people, as are as are some other models that are around the L size, um, but uh, most notably the new Nick Lucas Specials, which are similar but have, uh, depending on the year, different depths and stuff like that. So this was Chris Martin's version. Um, and like every Martin that's made to look sort of like a Gibson, they don't sound anything like their Gibson equivalent whatsoever. They very, sound very much like a Martin. And, um, and for those of us who have a very Martin-centric ear, that's a good thing. Um, something I forgot to mention about the Triple O 15SM is, uh, and the 15s in general, is they work really well for playing slide guitar, bottleneck slide or steel slide. And it's because of that solid top and the uh, you get a lot of uh, really good fundamental sustain out of it. 
and and sustain in general as that top breaks in over time. Well, the CEO 7 also is really good for playing slide, though it's a very different sound being an Adirondack spruce top versus a mahogany top. So that's something for people to take into account too who like to play uh, slide guitar when they're playing their blues. So we have those, those are the first two are both mahogany and I think it's interesting. I, I do think that mahogany uh, lends itself to uh, certain uh, fingerstyle blues stylings. And so I'm not surprised that we've started out with two mahogany guitars, one with mahogany top, one with Adirondack, both of them slope shoulder, uh, both of them with, uh, with a one and three quarter inch width nut, but nowadays that's the norm. Um, so any, any other thoughts on the CEO seven? Except for the fact that I wish I would have thought of it. No, I, um, that wasn't on my <laughs> list, but, but at the same time, I cannot remove it from this combined list because it's too important and it's just too accurate. And in the spirit of going mahogany, 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 I will take this opportunity to plant my foot in the ground and turn the other direction. I, I hinted towards it a little bit earlier and I'm sure it's going to make an appearance anyway, so I'll just get it over with. I do have to say the triple O 28 Eric Clapton was my second choice. And for right or wrong, it really has a lot to do with just sinking my hooks into that Eric Clapton Unplugged concert. And I really do associate the, where I am in my life as far as a guitar player, when and uh, how often I've seen that concert. It just really cements in my mind that that is acoustic blues rock. And even though the Triple O 28 Eric Clapton wasn't on that program, that's something I sort of close my my eyes and my mind goes to that's bluesy roots acoustic music and you know things like well it can name any real track on that on that album it just gives me the thought of that really mid-range forward voice that the triple o 28 eric clapton has and when i say that you know sometimes customers will call us up and they want to buy a rosewood guitar they want to buy something smaller than a dreadnought and we talk about things like the clapton the om 28 the om 21 etc. But there's something about the Clapton where some people might actually think it's a little bit muted in the high end or it might be a little bit rolled off as far as the overall voice. The way I would describe it is, blues or not, it's got a mid-range voice that that's where the the strength of that instrument is to me. And I, as I go through this spoon, I'd love to hear your take. But I think the strength in the Eric Clapton is single note definition. It's a mid-range. And I don't just mean like that it's it's unhealthy or that it's a mid-range where there's a honk or it's not problematic, but I think the strongest part of the voice in the triple O 28 Clapton is the mid-range part of it. And that really sounds like what you might be giving up in, in like a real top shimmer. Uh, it might not be the, the basiest deep low end and it might not be the, the most brilliant. It's not the most brilliant small body Rosewood Sitka guitar, but it's got a voice that in the middle of the voice is really where the power is. And if you and I were going to play a song and we both had, I had the clap and you had something else while we're strumming, you might be a little bit louder or you might, the overall voice of your guitar might actually sound to be bigger in, in our duo. I'm willing to bet that if I played a lead and I start playing single notes on the clap, then that's where they just kind of jump out of the sound hole. And for a short scale instrument, it's really quite impressive. I often ask people, if you're thinking about a Clapton or the OM 28 or the OM 21, uh, if you're talking about doing some blues, whether it's fingerstyle or with a pick, I think you're making a mistake to 
not look at the Clapton and not not to say it's going to be everybody's choice when it's all said and done, but I think a lot of people that play that kind of music can really be served very well with the Clapton and it almost it almost sounds like a long scale instrument at times when you're playing single note stuff and I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, I think it's a pretty obvious choice because of a lot of things you just said. Uh, certainly, Eric Clapton himself has played the basic triple uh, O 28 EC in concert a lot. Um, you had talked about the Eric Clapton Unplugged concert. He was playing two pre-war Martins. Of course, he was playing a triple O 42, uh, 1939 triple O 42. And he was also playing a triple O 28 that had been converted into something very similar to style 42, uh, you know, aftermarket by some, I don't remember, some inlay artist at some point. And, um, and those are the two guitars he actually used on that. And then uh, Dick Boak, you know, they approached him to do the, the, uh, the first real signature models. They had already done the OM28 Perry Bechtel by that time, Bechtel, but that was, but that was kind of a, that wasn't like a living artist who was, you know, playing their instruments in concert. But uh, they came out with a commemorative uh, Brazilian Rosewood Triple O uh, 42 that immediately sold out. And so then they, Dick got the idea of doing, you know, what became the, the EC model um, that was inspired by the other one. And uh, it's got um, herringbone trim, like a pre-war uh, tw uh, 28, but it's also got a herringbone rosette, like a pre-war 21. So I've always thought that was really cool. And, um, and it was, uh, you know, you had the diamonds and squares and all that bef long before the standard series was converted over. Uh, short scale instruments are good for the blues in the sense that you have less string tension. So you, uh, with light gauge strings, a, a decent guitar player can get full step bends out of it, just, you know, similar to an electric guitar, which of course people love to bend those strings and make the guitar wail when they're playing the blues. And uh, it's one of the reasons Clapton uh, has traditionally played short scale instruments himself. And it's got the, um, probably the most comfortable V-neck maybe Martin's ever made, the short scale modified V with the modern neck heel. And I think one of the things you were talking about in terms of how you're describing that mid-range presence in the, it's not like there's less trouble and there's more mid-range and it, the, the EQing seems uh, different than a lot of modern Martins. Some of that yeah. has to do with the fact that it's got 5 16th inch bracing on a small bodied guitar, relatively small body guitar. Instead of the quarter inch bracing you get on an OM or you get on the triple O 18. Um, so for people who just can't do those necks, those V necks, the triple O 28 is not a bad trade-off because it has the exact same bracing as the Clapton, same woods. And so you're getting a similar, you're getting a similar thing, but like, uh, people often say every little thing on a guitar can change it. So having the bigger, thicker neck definitely has some impact upon tone. And um, so, but they're, you know, they're much more similar than the old Triple O 28 was the, uh, that had no scallop bracing at all. And, um, and uh, you know, low profile with a, a much skinnier nut width and all that. So, so yeah, I think that's great. As w uh, many people know, there's, multiple Eric Clapton models um, of all different types. Um, there is the, uh, 
I know I'm not very good at uh, Italian, but Beleza, Beleza, Beleza Bianca, which is the white captain, and uh, the uh, Beleza Nera, and the uh, which is the black body captain, and they look gorgeous in person. They're really gorgeous in person. They have you know uh, fancier trim, but the white captain is maple with uh, with an Engelmann spruce top, which I find fascinating because. Uh, it's an unusual combination for a Martin, and they sound absolutely angelic after that top breaks in. Uh, but a lot of uh, blues players around the world play maple guitars for that quick, like our friend Howie Emerson loves maple guitars because he doesn't, he wants very fast decay. He wants just to go note to note to note, as you had described. And um, so it's interesting. They gave it Engelman, which adds some more warmth and glow to it compared to something like Adirondack. So it's an interesting combination. And then the the black Clapton is East Indian Rosewood, but it's got a European spruce top. So uh, that's a rather lush sounding instrument. And then well, I, well, I'm gonna have to bring up the, the bluesiest Clapton model of all. It's ironically the only Clapton model with a long scale neck, and that's the OM, Navy Blues. It was called. So that's I a forgot about that body. model. Yeah, that's a very cool guitar, and and it's I, th I imagine it's been out long enough that you can tell these tales out of school now. But but it was a mistake. They went and they made that guitar <laughs> as an OM by accident. And when the prototypes were done and they were getting ready to ship the prototypes to Clapton, somebody said, oh, my God, their Clapton models are all short scale, 24.9. And this is a full 25-inch OM. And, you know, and people were really quite stunned and quite worried about it. But he absolutely loved it and immediately started playing it in concert. Um, <laughs> in fact, he, I saw him at the uh, Hurricane Sandy concert. He was playing it. But, um, but he's, he has since gone back to playing his, his short-scale regular triple uh, O 28EC most of the times that I have seen him, uh, photos of him or videos of him in modern times. But yeah, I thought that was a fascinating story. Um, and it, I don't know, because I know Eric Clapton was famous for a quote long ago saying, you know, somebody asked him, uh, if, you know, if you died and were re reincarnated, what would you want to come back as? And he would say an old Martin O.M. And, but he was actually talking about the short scale triple O's because as I said earlier, an OM, an orchestra model, really meant a 14 fret Martin compared to a 12 fret Martin. And so he was using OM in that respect, not meaning the long scale OM 28, OM 18, OM 45s that were made in the early 30s. So I find that a fascinating for all you trivia geeks out there. Um, so yeah, I mean it's only uh, it's only right and fitting that the Eric Clapton model was included, and since that was the one model we both had, because I was going to bring that up too, I'm going to switch uh, horses in midstream and come up with my own Rosewood Martin for blues, and that's the M36. Whoa, <laughs> M for blues. Slow down, M. Who plays an M for blues? And I expect when I ask you this, I'm going to be completely corrected, but that doesn't sound bluesy to me. Well, actually, um, the M guitar was brought about because a couple different builders took the old 
F-size Martin arch tops from the 1930s and took those arch tops off and put a flat top on it with the mod with the X brace with the you know the scalloped X bracing. And there's some tug of war about who did it first. I know John Lumberg out in Berkeley, California is uh, cited, and so is Matt Umanoff in New York City as being the first builder to do this. But what we do know is uh, David Bromberg uh, was the guy that is responsible for the M's because he was one of those guys. Um, there's some other, there other people too. Uh, oh, Guthrie was an early uh, converted F flat top player, but it was David Bromberg who brought his flat top converted F guitar to Martin, to the Martin factory and showed it to Fred Martin and said, you should make these. So right there is you've got a guy who plays acoustic blues who <laughs> is responsible for the M. Um, many years later, and right now the M36 is the only M in regular production. Um, the first one was the M38 that was actually inspired by Bromberg's guitar that had some pearl inlay on it and got a, a rosewood bridge and an ebony fretboard, and that definitely makes a difference in the sound. And you, there were times when you could play both of them in guitar stores, and they're definitely noticeable that the Rosewood Bridge makes a difference in the sound and gives it a slightly more open, airy sound to it. But um, you mentioned the Clapton. I think of the M as having uh, like a supersized triple O. And so it's still got a gathered, punchy voice with a very strong mid-range. And so it's got a particular kind of evenness across the strings that um, some people like, but it also gives you more volume and a little more bass response because of the wider top. And before I go on with other blues players who have played M's, what do you think of the M? When I said the M36, you don't think of them as being bluesy per se, but how do you describe uh, the M sound and, and, and playability and all that? Well, it's, it's funny because my the reason I'm going to cite that I don't think it's good for blues or I don't think of it when I think of blues is going to backfire completely because I just think it's good for everything. So blues is not an exception. And I just, what I really meant to say was I kind of, I framed that, that reply a little bit wrong. I don't think of the M36 when someone asks me, Hey, I want to play Martins. I want to play blues. What would you recommend? And I don't, I don't want to answer your question with a question, but you probably can't find a, a kind of music that you can't play on an M. So I'll, I'll give into that. And I, over the, the past, you know, several podcasts we've done, when you have mentioned the fact that M's feel like a oversized triple O because you don't have that big mid-range dip, I do wholeheartedly agree with that. So it's probably fair to say the M isn't a stretch too far from a Clapton with some more bass and a, and a longer, tighter scale. If they made a, an M36 style guitar with short scale, I'd probably go to it more often in my mind. And I'm just, I'm banking my responses now on advertising as much as music. So when I, I don't necessarily remember seeing somebody in concert or somebody in a video playing an M36 for blues, or let me just say it out loud. I don't remember seeing anybody playing M36 anywhere. They're just so equal parts <laughs> hidden and perfect. Like it's, it's one of those guitars that can do everything, but you almost never, it doesn't get the fanfare. So without really rambling, I don't disagree with you. It just, I would probably have named a lot more, many more Martins before that in my mind. And if you would have really quizzed me on why and I had to back up and justify everything I said, the M36 is probably higher on the list than a lot of other guitars could be. And 
correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the guitars that I think of when I think of acoustic blues are models that I've seen somebody playing acoustic blues, maybe a lot of it at Martin Fest over the years. And, and it's, it's kind of your memory bank as much as it's, you know, a tool for the trade. And I'm not looking at specs and paper and, and doing any kind of calculations. I just remember seeing a lot of good blues players play in front of me. And that, that just doesn't come up in my memory. So it's, it's kind of a shame that I answered that way, but it's true. Well, I chose it really kind of off the top of my head because I didn't get to name the Clapton like you did. But I immediately thought <laughs> of, but I also thought about Bromberg and I also thought about the fact that while the M36 is the only M available right now, there was a time in the 80s when, uh, late 70s, early 80s, when Artists did start playing M's because they the dreadnoughts were too big and bulky for them, you know. So, and so we ended up with a series of signature models too that are M's. The Sean Colvin signature model was an M, but so was David Bromberg's. David Bromberg gave one of his, and his is a big pearly, fancy pearly thing, uh, forty style forty two, I guess. And he gave uh, Jorman Kakonen one. And then Yorma had his own signature model made in an M. And hmm. so did Woody Mann, the, for the, uh, the disciple of uh, Reverend Gary Davis. So there you have three acoustic blues. Uh, you know, Yorma's more of a country blues like Bromberg. Um, but um, all three of their signature models, those are three guys who make their living playing acoustic blues. Uh, who who decided to have a signature model made out of an M. So definitely an option for people looking for uh, a guitar to play blues on. And it gives you uh, gives you a little more long scale power. So and I think and not, none of those guys really are big string benders. They're not that sort of BB uh, King, uh, Eric Clapton style blues playing. Uh, soloist they you know they're much more thumb pick and steel finger picks and you know that sort of thing so uh so it's a you know different different playing style altogether but but so there you know i say that's a fair challenge out there for you know when people are thinking what guitar you should play the blues on well there's several people who play m's that their main you know music is blues so pretty fascinating if you ask me and it was that point of the podcast where Mari didn't feel as smart as he did when he started. I really thought we could talk for an hour about this subject, and I would feel very strong in my convictions on which guitars are really great for blues. And as we're talking, and this is always conversational, it's never scripted, and it's, it's just, you know, as we're speaking, we're taking it in as much as the listener is. I would have never emailed you last week to say, let's talk about blues guitars. Uh, which M's are you going to talk about? Because it just didn't come <laughs> into my mind until now. And at the same time, it makes so much sense going forward. I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I won't be afraid to tell people who call and ask me, you know, what should I uh, think about? I have to put the M36 in the conversation. I won't necessarily tell somebody what they have to do, but I'll, I'll go to it. I, I won't, can't forget it now because it's, it's one of those things that it's just in, in the front of my mind and I'm glad you're bringing it up. And before we go too far, uh, I, I do want to thank all of you guys for listening. You are in the middle of Martins and More with Spoon Phillips. And normally in the middle of the show, we do a game called 20 Questions. I should ask you, Spoon, is now a good time as ever? Well, I'm going to mention one other thing before we go on from the M36. And it's kind of jumping a, 
up a, uh, in depth because another one of those fingerstyle blues players that I'm already mentioned, that was one of the uh, Reverend Gary Davis disciples is Stephen Grossman, who he himself has been a guru to an entire generation of fingerstyle blues players. And his signature model was in the J size. So, oh uh, and of course the J is got the same uh, size top and back as an M, but it's got a dreadnought depth. So, you know, there you go. You have, uh, you know, something that's, uh, that isn't on our lists, but, um, but yeah, but before we yeah, move on to the, the other two guitars that we were going to talk, talking about today, let's go ahead and do the Martins and Moore version of Embarrass Mart. I'm sorry, uh, 20 questions. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> All right. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to think of a Martin. Spoon has to guess which one I'm thinking about. You guys have to play along at home. And you also have to play a separate game in parallel with this. How many questions do you think Spoon needs to guess this correctly if <laughs> he guesses it correctly? So let's put 20 questions on the clock. I'm thinking of a Martin guitar. Spoon, what am I thinking about? Does it have rosewood back and sides? No. Is it a dreadnought? Yes. Time's up. Does it have a modified low oval profile? No. Is it made in Nazareth, Pennsylvania? No. Does it have fine veneer on the back and sides? No. That's five questions. Is it in the road series? Yes. Okay, so not made of rosewood, no fine veneer, it's a dreadnought, and is it? Does it have a spruce top? No. Ooh. Ooh. Now I gotta remember what it's called. <laughs> oh, is it a Martin D10E with a spelly top? Oh my god, yes. Yeah! Da -da -da -da! The Martin D10E Sapelia was hiding around the corner all that time, but Spoon found it. So here's my hitting the home run. <sighs> <laughs> that looks foul. <laughs> I struggle with this game so much. 
You're hearing my no comment. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm impressed at myself because I, uh, I was like, okay, what's it? Well, really, I was thinking about how best to narrow things down in this kind of game because um, I, you know, being outside of it while you're asking, I could see how you were you were making it harder on yourself because you would you would ask like six different body sizes <laughs> or you would ask you know and you would waste basically use up an awful lot of questions trying to find the body size so i thought i'd go you know uh, with a dreadnought and and i got lucky so there we are um, well that, that's the thing though i mean let me just pull the curtain back for a second just because you guessed dreadnought doesn't mean you could have if you would have guessed dreadnought and i was holding a cards and they were showing double O, you could have easily said Dreadnought, Triple O, O, M, J. And it's just that I asked the question, ask her as the wise guy, not the smart guy. I'm probably wrong to pick Dreadnought, but we've had a couple of really rocky uh, episodes where we tried as hard as we could <laughs> to make sure nobody got any fun out of this game. So I wasn't going to go and, you know, find, like, I don't know, a base or a lefty, you know, it's all is fair in love and war, but we, this has to be kind of civil. At well, times, yeah. so. well, yes, but well, but had I, had you said, no, it wasn't a dreadnought, I wasn't going to ask other sizes. I was going to move on because that would have already eliminated a lot of guitars. So then I would start focusing in on trying to figure out what series it was in and all that. But Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So well, congratulations, buddy. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, I laugh in commiseration. <laughs> you can tell um, I'm kind of bummed, right? I mean, <laughs> we're, we're both having a good time here, but this kind of, this is, this sucks for me. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't done it enough. You'll, you'll come back and start, you know. Oh, um, no, don't patronize me. That's worse. <laughs> God. We both done it the same amount of times. But now you get, to, now you get to go on with your uh, third choice. My third and final recommendation for, hey, I want to play blues on a Martin guitar. What should I buy? I have to go back to my mahogany love and share with you the Triple O 18. Now, can I give you an asterisk here, Spoon? Do you mind if I put one of those, uh, you know, when you hit so many home runs, but you were juicing, so you put an asterisk <laughs> by the number? Sure. Speaking of home runs, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are, are, can we go back in time and can I ask you, are you juicing when it comes to 20 questions or are you being fair? <laughs> I don't know much what you're saying, Chusen, because you're the one who knows the answer, not me. <laughs> it's not like I can look it up. <laughs> if I find you're on steroids, we're going to start doing drug testing. But anyway, when I say the Triple O 18 is my third recommendation for those players that want to buy a Martin guitar and play blues, I'm really, really almost want to say it's a Triple O 18 Modern Deluxe. And Ooh. I've I've got a lot of history with the Triple O eighteen, both before it got reimagined, since it got reimagined. So that guitar, there's truly three Triple O eighteens that I know as a Martin dealer since two thousand three. The Triple O eighteen before it got scallop bracing, the Triple O eighteen when the reimagined standard series gave it scallop bracing, and you know a couple of years back now the Triple O eighteen came into the modern deluxe series for the tour faction all the things that come with the uh, the modern deluxe treatment including the bridge pins or liquid metal the carbon fiber adirondack vts bridge plate 
the protein glue on the top. Everything about the Standard Series, I'm going to just give you a quick plug for it. If you like a Martin guitar and it's in the Standard Series, find it in the Modern Deluxe Series. You probably will like it better. And that's that comment has you know so much attached to it, to each his own. But every time I've played both, I really think the Modern Deluxe is extremely special. But I can't omit the original 0018 when I say blues because I've known it so much longer and everything that is better about the 0018 Modern Deluxe to me, a lot of it's still in, in the, the honest voice of a 0018. So I'm going to kind of pair them together just to make a little bit of a, a snafu at the end of this episode. But I really, uh, when my mind goes to the 0018 Modern Deluxe, our good friend Marshall playing some really great stuff on our program on Thursdays called Martin versus Martin. We do a song circle, which is a, a two-person song circle, but it's a virtual house concert. He does so many, I would call them countrified finger-picking blues. He's not doing like the B.B. King Clapton thing you were talking about, but he has that uh, back-and-forth bluesy fast attack. Uh, I've I should really know what to call this kind of music. And Marshall, I apologize. When I talk to you on Thursday, tell me what I should be calling this. But you've seen Marshall play Spoon. You know what I mean when, I, when he plays that bluesy stuff that's the melody plus the bass line plus the, the chords and the voicings. That Triple O 18 Modern Deluxe that he just got this year, it's really something special. Well, you know, he, you could completely redefine the term Marshall music because of... Uh... <laughs> because of his personal style. So uh, so, um, so it's Marshall as in the player, not Marshall as in, you know, army bands, brass bands. But, uh, cause they, <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, you know. And yeah, I think if you're going to take the, the 0018, but also include the 0018 Modern Deluxe, and like you said, kind of lump, push them together, I, I think that's totally fair as far as cheating goes. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fair cheater if there ever was You're a one. Fair right? cheater that you can't decide between the two, but then you really ultimately were going with the modern deluxe. That's interesting too because I think the modern deluxe has so many modern and deluxe features that it's not old school. And I and I know people, you know, some people want old school and the thing about acoustic blues, but but. Uh, you're right. If they can open their mind up and just really focus on uh, sound and playability, then yes, you're the modern deluxe guitars in general. But but that triple uh, eighteen modern deluxe short scale, it's got that special neck shape that I like so much. That's inspired by the nineteen thirty one forty five deluxe. It's got the uh, vintage tone system, torified Sitka spruce top. It has protein glue for the, uh, for the bracing, and the bracing is carved with the Golden Era style. It's Adirondack bracing, but it's carved in the Golden Era style, which means there's more, more uh, deeper, broader scallops and, uh, and narrower peaks um, that was originally designed for the old Golden Era series that were sort of, uh, you know, vintage re recreations before the authentic series guitars were, uh, had arrived. But it's got the modern, you know, uh, liquid metal bridge plans that increase volume and sustain. It's got the carbon fiber bridge plate, composite bridge plate. Um, it's got the EVO gold frets for reduced fret wear and beautiful wooden binding. So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a deluxe Martin as it is with modern features. But you've already said yourself, people should, uh, 
she'd go, get on YouTube and look up some of those uh, those house concerts, as uh, Mari calls it, and, and see what uh, we've been talking about. Um, I'm actually going to take that idea and I'm going to go a little smaller because what I had been thinking of, and this was really the, probably the first thing that popped in my head when, when we said we're going to pick guitars. Um, well, really the CO7 and this, the 0018. You're going with the 0018. Mm. I'm going with the 0018 uh, simply because they made a slew of them in the 30s and 40s and and in the 50s, and they were very common uh, for uh, finger-picking blues people. Uh, there, it was a very common thing to see people playing blues on those guitars. And and even before I met Howie, uh, Howard Emerson's uh, CD, Crossing Crystal Lake, uh, the Martin guitar that he plays on that, he also plays an old uh, vintage Gibson L00, but the, the Martin guitar on that is uh, a 1954 0018. And he had a pair of them, but then he uh, he decided he wanted a wider neck and then went up to a uh, OM18V, but he wanted a wider, bigger neck. But um, that it just has a really nice dry, just like you started out at the beginning of the program talking about the dry, woody sound of mahogany, uh, though these are Sitka topped uh, guitars. They are very dry, like an old dried out wooden box kind of resonance to them and on um, those vintage ones. And, and Martin came out with the 0018V in the vintage series. They never made a 0018V. Uh, they made a Woody Guthrie sig signature model that was essentially the Eric Clapton in style 18, but they didn't make very many of those. But the 0018V was a lot of guitar, and it was the first 14 fret double in a long time. And really woke people up to the fact that even though it's a smaller guitar, it still puts out a lot of sound, but a little less bass response. And some people who play fingerstyle blues like that because they want to keep all of the the strings kind of even in tone, and they don't necessarily want a, a bigger, boomier bass string. But so I'm, that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the 0018 as my third instrument. And... When you, I know you're a big fan of the Triple O, but you sell both of them. I know there's a, you know, smaller people would like Double O's because of the comfort factor, but but do you sell Double O 18s? Or would you say the Triple O 18s outsell them by a noticeable uh, amount? I would say the Triple O outsells it, but not by a ton. And really, you have to take into consideration only half of the people that shop at Mari's Music ever call us for the advice. Sometimes, more often than not, someone comes through the website with what they want, or they'll email me a couple of questions about stock status. But the times that people do take the opportunity to call us up and ask me what I should recommend, whenever we get into a conversation and we try to figure out what they're going to be playing, what kind of styles, with or without a pick, uh, in front of people, if you know, by yourself, projecting or quiet, strumming or not, this answer might might come out the wrong way, but I'll just say it the way I want to say it. I think the triple O eighteen can almost always do anything the double O can do, but the double O can't strum exactly as well as the triple O. And I know that's a black and white answer, and I'm, I'm making it a little bit quick for sake of keeping time here. But I think the times that people want a double O eighteen instead of a triple O eighteen, they have something in mind. Like you said, maybe they want to make sure that all the bass is out of the way. They don't want to have any rumble, but if you ask me to play acoustic blues on both of them, I think I could. If you ask me 
are you going to do any strumming? If I'm going to strum more than half the time, I typically do recommend the triple O only because I don't think the double O 18 sounds better under heavy strumming. So that conversation can go a lot longer than it you know deserves to take up a lot of time here. But no, the triple O 18 still outsells the double O, but it's after all that being said, not by a ton. It's, it's not like we sell twice as many, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I was wondering about that. And, and I agree with you. I think if, uh, when I say, uh, I think the triple O does outperform in terms of versatility, but if somebody's really playing finger, if that's what they do is play finger style blues, or that's what they're looking to do on this particular guitar, they may have bigger guitars that they do other stuff on. Then I think the, the 0018 is a, is a, a good choice. And uh, certainly very comfortable to play, and um, and like I said, I just uh, you know remember uh, over the years. I wish I could think of who they are now, but I'm sure if I got, got on YouTube and started looking up old blues stuff, or or even Leon Redbone, uh, I'm sure played a double O eighteen at uh, various times. And speaking of those kind of uh, fingerstyle blues players, but um, but. That's an interesting. That's a you know. I think the subject's interesting. I am sure that we in the comments we'll hear from other guitar you know about other guitars from different people, um, people's you know minds about what are the blues and and what do you need to play the blues. George Barnes, one of the very first electric guitarists, uh, was uh, originally started out as a blues musician, and in fact, there's a famous uh, book by a French a music historian who refers to him as a, the famous black uh, musician from Chicago, George Barnes. And he wasn't black, but he, he was literally like the only white guy playing <laughs> uh, on these uh, Big Bill Brunsey sessions and, and stuff. As a teenager, he was a hot session player and primarily played the blues. And then, you know, then really went into swing guitar later on and and was also one of the very first rockabilly country western guitarists as well so very versatile guy but but all electric guitar and um, very different than what a lot of other people think when they think of the blues um you know there's all kinds of uh blues music out there that isn't that traditional acoustic blues stuff that we're, i'm focusing primarily on today uh, another side note with that is i never knew growing up that the Beatles were a rock band, a rock and roll band. The Rolling Stones were a blues band and they considered themselves a blues band. And they honestly thought as teenagers that they were being true to the spirit of Muddy Waters and other players like that. And, you know, that's what they were trying to do. But oh, wow. I would have never guessed that growing up watching them in the Ed Sullivan show or whatever, the, the early young Rolling Stones, um, that they considered themselves like serious hardcore blues musicians, which almost seems a little silly when you see them with their mop top haircuts and, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, very, very far cry from the uh, black blues guys from the Delta, but that's who they idolized and wanted to be like. And, and it didn't even occur to me that, that the music they were playing would have been considered called the blues compared to the, like I said, the John Lee Hooker stuff that my brother was bringing home. Um, and uh, so... It also sounds silly to say the word young and Rolling Stones in the same paragraph. <laughs> 
True enough, true enough. And of course, I'm seeing this in hindsight. I wasn't really watching that stuff at the time. I mean, you know, years after I was born, I saw those that old footage. But uh, but um, trying to avoid <laughs> dating myself too much. But um, so, yeah, so, the, you know, don't let anybody tell you, uh, you know, that your kind of blues isn't true blues because, uh, you know, it's really it's really what the music means to you and um and how you and how do you choose to express yourself so so well, that's a good point and by the same token don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't play the blues on we didn't mention any dreadnoughts we only mentioned one really rare om eric clapton so if you play blues acoustic music and you're looking at an om or a dreadnought don't for a moment think that you can't go that route just because we didn't talk about them on this show and like spoon said a minute ago please let us know in the comment section what did we miss there's got to be something out there we only picked our favorite three each and one of them was the same guitar so you're only going to walk away from this episode with five suggestions please consider letting us know what you think is a great blues martin guitar uh, in the comments below if you're watching this on youtube i know i speak for spoon and i'm sure we both want to see what you're thinking about and while you're thinking about those kind of things, please also think about giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much. If you're that kind of person, you like to speak your mind, head over to Apple Podcasts and tell them what you think of Mari and Spoon. We might even read your review on the air. 002700 writes, Wow, Spoon really knows his stuff. Mari and TSP have so much history together, and it really comes through. Looking forward to more. All right, so... Before I ask you why they didn't say Mari knows his stuff, I have to ask you, Spoon. Is it 002700? Is it double ot 2700? Is it double not 27 double ot? How would you say that word? Um, that's a very good question. I would say uh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate the kind <laughs> words. Oh. That's what I thought you'd say. <laughs> well, I just want to end by saying, you know, it's not a cop-out to say you can play blues on just about any type of guitar. Stephen Stills plays country blues on a, on a vintage uh, D45. Keith Richards plays his blues on an old 0021, the old 12-fret 0021. Um, there are definitely blues guys out there. Stephen Grossman played OMs for years and years. Definitely bluesmen who played OMs. So it's what speaks to you most and i've enjoyed speaking to mari about this whole topic and i look forward to the next topic well thanks very much spoon and i wouldn't be surprised if we don't start seeing a lot of great classic blues players wailing away on the sc13e koa how about that it'll happen it'll happen well that's certainly putting the cart ahead of the horse but from all of us at mari's music thanks for listening hear you later This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. Music.com.